0: I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance.
1: You can have two people in the exact same situation, the exact same facts, right? So say that you've got two people who are extremely fit. They do the same things. but One's miserable and just angry, and the other person is thriving. What's the difference? It's the way that we think. And by the way, we're talking about how to win friends and influence people. But another book you wrote was How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Where is our mindset? You know, how do we see the world? What are the things that we are um, seeking? do we do we see life as as opportunity? Do we see life as about growth? do we are we afraid of of failing? How do we define failure?
0: You know, there are few authors like Dale Carnegie who have written information that is as useful as his work. You know, how to win friends and influence people? is probably one of the most practical self-help books ever written. He was a poor guy born in Missouri and grew up and became an incredible writer and a salesperson, a real cutting edge thinker when it comes to how to shape your mindset to perform at an optimal level. Fast forward to today and Joe Hart is the CEO of Dale Carnegie and he is in charge of courses and trainings all over the world. And has written a book called Take Command, which takes Dale Carnegie information and distills it into practical ways for you to activate in your life. Now, if you... If you've never read self-help before, you're going to love this episode. If you have read lots of self-help, you're also going to love this episode. There's such useful information in this podcast with my conversation with Joe about how you can just be a happier person and perform at an optimal level. Really practical stuff. I think you're going to enjoy it. You can check out his book called Take Command, and you can also go to dalecarnegie.com. You could also be a sweetheart and develop some good karma if you want to go in and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave a five star review if you would with a short review. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, Joe Hart. I love I love that we can just kind of wrap a little bit before we hit the record button and and you know we just talked about free speech and uh, the juices are already flowing. You know, um, you you said that your your background, or you know, thirty years ago, started as 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 a lawyer, and we were talking about free speech and this idea. And I'll just reiterate it to kind of give give people a little clue into our conversation, which is that I assert that the 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 resolution to bad speech, icky speech, harmful speech is not the suppression of said speech, but the but more speech. Because the best ideas bubble up, and that sounded like it sort of struck a chord with you. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if you would just kind of uh, reiterate your response to that.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, and especially you know, being a part of Dale Carnegie, one of the things we teach is, uh, for example, we teach people how to disagree agreeably. We teach people how to um, try to honestly see things from another person's point of view. And in often, you know, what we realize when we, we really try to, to understand another person is that they, they, there might be good ideas, there may be something about them that we didn't see. You know, Dale Carnegie quoted Ralph Waldo Emerson as saying, every person I meet is my superior in some way in that I learn from him or her. So, you know, I mean, th- what, what we teach in Dale Carnegie is really about how to have healthier uh, relationships, how to have people... Um, you know, let's say we we work together, and um, you know I made a mistake on something. How how do you coach me in a way that brings the best performance without making me feel uh, demeaned or minimized and so forth? Sometimes people don't know how to say that. So when it comes to the context of speech, you know, I, I mean my and, and we were talking about just my background as a lawyer. I mean, um, you know, there, there's I, I think a prevailing view that was a prevailing view, view historically around just um, kind of open dialogue and you know, one of the reasons I think Dale Carnegie is so valuable today is because people are easily offended. Um, and so number one, that means we need to have a greater sensitivity. Yeah, you know, I want to have a sense. I don't want to offend you and have a greater sensitivity. So I'm going to think about how I, I uh, engage you in conversation. Um, and I want to learn from you. Um, so, so that's, yeah, that's where I, I feel like Dale Carnegie really has a place to play in, in bringing people together in the world.
0: What do you think Dale Carnegie's position would be on internet trolls with no profile picture who who uh, feed off of gaslighting people and making largely anonymous uh, attacks on the internet? Where do you think he would stand on that?
1: Well, I, th- I think it'd be pretty clear, but just let me even back up a second. Um, and I, I say that only because, I mean – Dale Carnegie's view was that every person has inherent value, right? And and part of what he discovered it would be maybe it'll be okay, it'd be okay, Sean, if I just gave you a little bit of background for Dale Carnegie for your listeners who aren't familiar with Dale Carnegie. Sure. Um, Just because I think a lot of people have heard the name Dale Carnegie, they've heard of How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, this has been a best-selling book for 87 consecutive years. Uh, our company's 111 years old this year, but you know Dale Carnegie, you know started his life. Uh, he, was a, he was poor, he was on a farm, uh, he had, you know, a good upbringing, but, um, you know, he had a very challenging upbringing. And part of what he discovered when he went to college was he, he was good at debating and public speaking and so forth. And I'm kind of fast forwarding through the story. He went into sales first unsuccessfully, then successfully, and then ultimately went to New York City and, and went into acting and that type of thing. And he really wasn't very good at it. He didn't think he was. So, you know, he, he ultimately started this program on public speaking. And it was at a YMCA. It was in, in New York City in 1912. And what he discovered when people came to the front of the room and started to talk was, you know, the lack of confidence that people have, the fear that people have, and and also also how they could benefit from human relations. So over the over the decades that followed, and including with how to win friends and influence people, his his view was, you know, how do I equip people so that they can get along uh, better, that they can have enduring relationships so that they can succeed in their careers, so that they can have great relationships and marriages and those kinds of things. So to your question, then, you know, what you have is someone who is really an innovator around how we're we're wired. You know, we want to be respected and appreciated and valued. So to your question, um, you know, a lot of what we see on the internet is very destructive and it's intentionally hurtful. And there's really the value in it um, is, is for, for someone who's successful at trolling is just to try to you know, evoke some sort of a negative response. So, so I, I, don't, I don't think that Dale Carnegie, that there'd be any way that, that he would look at that as a value. Instead, what he might look at is a, and say, OK, let's say, Sean, you're being trolled. OK, so how do you respond to that? How do you not let that get to you? How do you develop the kind of confidence and resilience so that irrespective of what people say and do, you can still feel good about yourself and still thrive in your life? So he might look at that as an opportunity for personal growth, um, but he certainly wouldn't support people who do that.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, I like that because it sort of flips it, right? N- not, not, not to judge or demean or diminish that person who is reaching out for attention, you know, looking to fulfill some sort of need that they have to fire off a nasty tweet. You know, he, I'm sure he would be curious about what's going on for that person. You know, their their needs aren't being met. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're not living the life that they want and but you've you flipped it right right which is it it does give each of us an opportunity to build resilience and to think through how we want to choose to engage with that sort of behavior and and whether you're a public figure or not we all are witness to um internet trolls we're we're all a witness to trigger warnings and um you know inflammatory news cycles that are never ending and I, I'm. That's why I was so excited to have you on the podcast because, even though Dale existed pre-internet, I would say that a lot of the tools, tenets, ideas, philosophies that that he purports that you you know spend your your career working on are probably even more relevant now.
1: Do you think? I, I don't think there's any question. I agree with you 100. You know, it's interesting because you know, over 111 years since he started our, our company and the program, you know, a lot has changed, right? Technology has changed, the way we connect has changed and so forth. But, but people haven't changed fundamentally. I mean, you know, uh, we want to be appreciated. We want to be valued. But we we want to be liked in those types of things. And uh, the principles that he outlined, but, and by the way, we're talking about how to win friends and influence people. But another book he wrote was How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And, and those type of principles. It's like, how do you deal with stress in your life? How do you develop emotional strength? You know, because ultimately the two things do go together. Um, it's hard for me to be able to develop good relationships if I am insecure and worried and bitter and angry and stressed. And those. T- so, so if I can learn um, to manage those, then I'll have a, a health, a healthier and more f- more fulfilling life, and I'm under better relationships because. You know, I mean, let's let's admit it, Sean, right? I mean, this is contagious. If I if I walk into a room and I'm negative and just, you know, edgy and so forth, you know, I mean, or, you know, the person who walks in the room, you're like, gosh, you know, that, that person, I want to talk to that person. I want to hear from that person. I want to get to know that person. So, you know, the quality of our lives often come down to the connections that we make. And then that goes to a, a, those skills and those things that Dale Carnegie has been teaching for decades.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the last three years have all shown us, hopefully, if you're paying attention, the importance of relationships, you know, being, being from people going from working in the office to working at home um, from, you know, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve going into a, Hey, this is kind of a year long, like probably shouldn't see people should skip Christmas kind of a thing is it showed us how, how important relationships are. And at the heart of this podcast, I'm looking for all of the tools that I can find that will help us live a more optimal life. And I think that we've seen that relationships are a critical part of that. And emotional intelligence, emotional resilience apply to you and the disagreement with your brother. It applied to you and the disagreement with your pastor, your boss, the person at the checkout line. It, It really does it really does apply everywhere. And so when you think about some of the teachings from Dale Carnegie and, and maybe, maybe give us a couple of tenets, maybe some lesser known ideas that are perhaps even more important given the, given the, the sort of cultural climate that we're in right now.
1: So, in How to Win Friends and Influence People, there are 30 chapters, and each chapter has a principle. So I'd say from principle one to principle 30. Um, and then in how to stop worrying and start living, there are 30 principles. So 60 principles in total. And I I like to think about these Sean as strategies, right? I mean, these are really strategies or insights or hacks or whatever you might want to call it, but they're really things that are there to, to serve us. So sometimes people ask me, Hey, you know, what's your favorite one? You know, and because And I've got I've got six kids. Right. Um, And and I love all my kids. And it's almost like, gosh, which which? it's like the same thing. Which principle do I like the best? You know, Um, the first one is don't criticize, condemn and complain, which remains one of the hardest ones for me now. I've been working (laughs) on this thing for 30 years. And, you know, it's uh, and again, going back to the kids, you know, I can walk into one of the kids rooms. I'm like, all right. How many times have I asked about this room? You know, it's so, um, but the one I think that is, if if I had to pick one of the of the thirty from How to Win Friends and Influence People, it would be Principle Seventeen, which is uh, try honestly to see things from another person's point of view, and and the reason I just think that is, if if, if we genuinely are trying, if we to understand someone, and I'm going to listen, um, and I've seen people with with completely different views on things, really say, you know what, and and, and probably you or I, if I go back even a long time, I was in college, you know, you, you'd really try to understand people and you have conversations and debates and things like that, but you'd still be friends, you know, but uh, but that principle is really important because it values uh, the person that you're engaging with. And and so much of our relationships are founded on trust. And to have trust, you really have to have kind of this, this empathy or this understanding for the other person. If you know that I've you know, I've got your interests in mind. I'm trying to learn from you and so forth. Then you know, we can have a foundation for a good relationship. But the the principles are structured in how to win friends around different kinds of things. I mean, so the first nine, for example, might be around, you know, how do I start to develop a relationship with someone? How do I, you know, whether it's you know giving honest and sincere appreciation or being a good listener. I mean, different things like that. Uh, and then as you move on, they start to move into things like like leadership. You know, how how do I really become a leader. I want to. I want to lead an organization. I want to lead people. Well, how do I do that? Um, there are a lot of things, and one of the things I love about your show is you're really looking at. I mean, well, I know you also do different things. You know, emotional and, and not just physical. But a lot of it is, you know, there's this physical. There's this. You know, what are the things I need to do to have optimal performance? And you know, we think about exercise or the things that we're going to do in some repetitive basis over a period of time to develop strength, to develop acumen, or whatnot. And the same thing is true of of these these principles from Dale Carnegie. If if I if I think about them, if I look at them, if I apply them, over a period of time, intentionally, I am going to become, in fact, I'd say it's not just to become a better leader. I I would like to think I'm a better leader, like to think I'm a better father, a better husband, a better friend, a better person because of the way these things have influenced my life. This week's episode is
0: brought to you by BioPro Plus. I cannot tell you how much this product has changed my life and so many of the lives of my clients and you listeners. It's also saved my butt during 75 hard. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. You can go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, "Holy cow, Sean, I tried this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do." I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. So what are some of the keys that to, to bring them into practice? Because I think a lot of folks, myself included, we kind of stay in the theoretical. You know, you can read the books, you can listen to the podcasts, you know, listeners to this podcast probably have, you know, 6 to 10 other podcasts that they absolutely love and don't miss a single episode. I know that 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 accounts for myself as well. How do we take and I know I know that there's a lot of you know a lot of principles to, that, that you could apply here, but how do we take the theoretical things that we hear on a podcast or read in a book and integrate them into our lives so that we can improve?
1: Yeah. Let me offer a couple thoughts. And, you know, one is when you, when you read these principles, if you, and we have this th- uh, thing called the golden book, it's a little book you can carry around, you can download it free online, but it lists all the principles and you look at these principles and you might say, gosh, these are, these are kind of common sense, you know, um, but they're not necessarily common practice and they're hard to practice. Sometimes, you know, when I am, I'm fighting mad uh, because someone has done something and, and the principle is begin in a friendly way. Or to begin with, honest and sincere appreciation, you know, it, it's it, you know, it really kind of causes me to rewire my natural inclination, which is to yell or get angry or whatnot. So the first thing is, you know, to become familiar with the principles. Uh, and, and part of what I didn't explain, too, is we've got programs, Dale Carnegie courses all over the world. I happen to have the honor of, of leading a company that's in two way 200 operations in 86 countries. So people could take Dale Carnegie courses where you work with a trainer who really is a coach help people you know apply this into into their lives if they had the book or the 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 golden book then you can you can try these things on your own as well and certainly many people have very successfully but the thing I'd say is number one is familiarize yourself with these things and then number two have a strategy to actively apply them every day if there's 30 (laughs) principles and there's 30 to 31 days in a month you can take one of these principles and say all right Principle one, I'm going to do this one today. Principle two, it's the second day of the month. I'll do this one. Principle three, you know, and just, and, and, and that's actually how I started. I took a Dale Carnegie course as a young lawyer. And after the course was over, I was like, gosh, I'm never going to be able to internalize all of these unless I really practice them over time. And yeah. that's what I did. I took one and I practiced one a day or a week or whatnot. Um, the other thing I just want to mention, at the risk of of speaking too long, um, which yeah. Dale Carnegie, we're always sensitive about doing talking too much. Is, you know, I recently wrote a book with my co author, Michael Crom, who's Dale Carnegie's grandson, and it's built on Dale Carnegie principles. It's called Take Command. It is there to be a blueprint to help people apply Dale Carnegie principles in their lives. So the whole first part is based on how to stop worrying and start living. It is take command of your thoughts and your emotions. How do you go from wherever you are, fear and security, et cetera, to that strength and resilience? The second part is based on how to, how to win friends and influence people. It's take command of your relationships. Um, How do I develop and turn during relationships? How do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with criticism? The third part is take command of your future. And that's really, Hey, what's your vision for yourself? You know, don't let yourself get to the end of your life and realize that all the things that you really wanted to do, it's too late because you were too busy with lesser things. So that's based on the Dale Carnegie course. So, so you know um, a lot of different ways to bring this into practice but one of the reasons we wrote take command was to, to create a manual to really make it easy to people to help do this. So that's a strategy you could take a Dale Carnegie course you could read how to win friends lots of different approaches but you gotta you gotta I, practice it you got to be intentional
0: I, I totally, it's the same it's the same thing for exercise it's the same thing for meditation it's the same thing for nutrition <clears throat> you have to you have to do it every day you you have to practice that skill you no know, again taking it out of the theater theoretical and putting it into practice in your life and that's the hardest part right because you feel vulnerable you feel unsure uh you're you, you know you may stew about it a little bit you know, during the day, like maybe, maybe this is my opportunity at the grocery store to apply this principle, to exercise this principle, or I'm having this, um, I'm about to compose an email and I can use this other principle, you know, as I, as I compose this email to a coworker or to a client or customer or some, something, Th- that, that sort of practical application, which it sounds like you're, you're covering and take command is everything is everything because you never know how you're going to respond unless you tinker around with it. You know, at the heart of at the heart of biohacking, at the heart of performance optimization, it's about trying things out, right? Maybe you shouldn't be eating gluten. Well, test it. Maybe you should actually get 8 hours of sleep. Test it. Maybe you would benefit from morning Ice plunges and it will totally change your life and help you burn fat and increase your dopamine, et cetera, et cetera. But you will never know unless you actually try it. And so, I love the idea of choosing one of the principles and finding a way to weave it into your day every single day, because that's that's where that's where change happens.
1: Um, Can I just jump in because something yeah. you said is really kind of resonated with me, which is, you know, you think about um, the things that you do for the first time, I'm very sure that the first cold plunge you took was just terrifying. Right. I mean, but, but the more you do something, the more it becomes almost, it becomes easier. It becomes second nature. What, you know, and that's true of, you know, I, I think about, you know, I'm, I'm working out with a, with a trainer, right. And, um, Gosh, I'm doing things yesterday when I went in with him that I couldn't do uh, 60 days ago. It, it Things become, and it's the same thing with the Dale Carnegie principles. I mean, things become second nature. You don't even think about things. It's just, it's how you treat people. It's how you engage people. I mean, sometimes in a really tough situation, you might have to pull your back back because we're always dealing with our emotions, right? It's easy to get angry or whatnot but if you if you treat it the same way that you're talking about even um, you know physical kinds of things and conditioning ourselves or you know we have a chapter in um, take command called it's condition your mind for success it's you know what are the active things you're going to do intentionally every single day in those moments when you start to go down that 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 funnel where you're just getting depressed and angry frustrated whatever that that pulls you right out so that you can be more intentional about how you want to handle that situation the more you do that the easier it gets, and and the more successful people become.
0: And I like to think about what is downstream of these practices, right? What is downstream of new awareness, new discipline, and experimentation with some of these principles? And my mind goes into satisfaction. Maybe you're just a more satisfied person. Maybe you're just, maybe you're a happier person. Maybe you enjoy little things a little bit more, maybe. And and these are, these are basic, these are sort of basic ideas, right? But on the, on the even further downstream, you might make more money and you might get more prestige, And your work days may fly by because you're in a flow state and you're making great decisions and having fun. And, and to me, that's, that's optimal. That's optimal performance because I I could do cold plunges and jujitsu and take my smart drugs and and hashtag crush it. But am I satisfied? Am I, am I, am I, do I feel satisfied with my life and who I am as a person? And I, it's all it all should be going somewhere to some desired outcome and, and and i'll pose this as a question is it is it critical to have that destination downstream plotted out ahead of time or can you kind of improvise as you go with these
1: practices it's more the latter it's improv it becomes who you are and how you handle situations um so But just to go back to your question, you say, hey, you know, are are you you happier? Are you more fulfilled? Are you better relationships? Are are you advancing in your career? Are you making more money? Are you getting promoted? The answer is yes, 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 yes. You know, I mean, um, you can have two people in the exact same situation, the exact same facts, right? So say that you've got uh, two people who are extremely fit. They do the same things. but One's miserable and just angry. and The other person is thriving. What's the difference? It's the way that we think. And I have found, you know, I certainly found when I started to to think differently and I started to try to apply these principles um, about how I was interacting with other people, my career accelerated big time. You know, I mean, I was able to. Why? Because it it was the difference of, all right, I'm at a team in a company and being able to work with people effectively versus versus not being able to work or being in a meeting. And someone is, you know, you always get that one guy, that person in the meeting or that gal in the meeting, whoever it is. And it's like, all right, well, how do I handle this situation? Well, you'll you learn how to handle it. It's like you talk about jujitsu. You, know, you learn how to, how am I going to handle this situation if it comes up and it becomes automatic? And the same thing is true in our relationships. So I found that when I took a Dale Carnegie course, I was a young lawyer. I ultimately decided to leave the practice of law, went into a business, um, was promoted twice within two years, was the youngest director in this uh, real estate company. It was a publicly traded real estate company. Um, before I ultimately left and then started uh, my first uh, company it was an e-learning company in 2000, you know, and, in all of these things, it's like, okay, well, you know, you, you raise money, you, you, you have, you know, how do you attract people? How do you attract clients? How do you, I mean, all of that goes to how do we, how do we present? How do we communicate? How do we interact with people? So, you know, as we, as we work on those kinds of things, Um, And then, and then when you have success, that's often something that is fulfilling. I mean, usually not by itself, you know, but then how do you also manage your emotional states? How do you develop this emotional intelligence and this strength? So that's, that's why I'm so excited about being able to lead this amazing company, because I think I've seen it. I've seen people. You know, I, I was in Nashville and Atlanta about a week ago, and I'm meeting with people who'd say, I took this course 30 years ago and changed my life. And here's how, you know, mm-hmm. I went into MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, and watched these students who are taking Dale Carnegie programs as part of a business uh, class, just talk about how this program has impacted their school, their careers, their relationships. So um, again, I, I don't mean to get so excited about it, but uh, it's had a huge impact on me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about the sort of common sense nature of some of these principles. And, you know, as a coach myself, oftentimes the sort of simple common sense kind of duh ideas are the most impactful, right? and and i and i'm and i'm curious around some of the psychology that prevents people from either internalizing or activating on some of these common sense principles. I mean to say like you should be you should be nice to people. Like okay, like come on. Like it's going to get eye rolls from a lot of folks because it's just so obvious. So where is the disconnect between knowing a simple truth or having a simple principle that's common sense and 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 uh, being a witness to how effective it is
1: yeah I, I think sometimes what happens and this is just you know my observation is that you know people are uncomfortable um, with different kinds of things let me give you an obvious duh kind of thing one of our principles and I and you know people can make fun of it is smiles okay um <laughs> and 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 why you know if you see someone and they smile they're Approach. And, and this doesn't mean you're walking around with this this stupid grin on your face all day. What it means is, no, but but you know you're cheerful. You you smile. If I if I'm at an event and someone's smiling, they're approachable. I want to talk to them. I want to interact with them. Now, some people might say, "Well, gosh, you know, I, I feel kind of weird smiling, you know, and um, I don't want to I don't want to smile at the cashier in the grocery store." It's like so sometimes you know we've got ideas in our mind about. Um, you know, how we show up, how we're going to look, what people are going to think about us, you know, which is another thing, you know, once we can overcome some of those those self-imposed limitations, um, you know, then we open up the possibilities for ourselves. Because, you know, I, I, again, I, I think, you know, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. We can, you know, I, I think about some of my conversations I've had with with my kids I've got some teenagers and some early 20s kids and um, you know we talk about you go to a party or you know it's like how am I going to look how am I going to present how am I going to do this and it's like we're all looking at ourselves and worrying about ourselves what what are the other people at that event thinking about they're thinking about themselves right right? (laughs) like you know one of the most valuable things I've realized (laughs) is I've aged is you know what people really don't care about me that much you know <laughs> they care about themselves and look i i, I want to present well and so forth but i'm just not going to obsess and worry all the things i used to worry about when i was younger that were just absolutely meaningless you know but but in those times i might have held myself back because i had a belief for it, you know and and so forth so i think that's a long way of saying that i i think um we often really hold ourselves back. We're not willing to try things. I mean, even me. When when you said the cold plunge, you were going through your list of things, and I'm like, I don't know. I the cold plunge. You you lost me at the cold plunge. But now <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, hold on a second. You know, I mean, how do you know? Give it a shot. You know, I I I've run marathons and I used to do ice baths, and they were hugely therapeutic. So, you know. Maybe I should try one of those for you know a morning start, um, mm-hmm. but I'll at least give it a shot, and and then be able to make a better judgment about whether I want to continue to do it or not. But why not be open minded to it?
0: Yeah, that openness is really important. It it, it that openness to new ideas and new practices, uh, even with a little bit of initial pushback that 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 you know is. The ego or the amygdala saying, no, why would I jump in cold water first thing in the morning before my coffee? That sounds terrible. Count me out. That openness can maybe become the thing that changes your life. And I think that's a, that you know, that's a, that's another universal truth. I want to, I want to dig, dig down a, a little bit deeper into the, the idea that we sort of, no, I'm going to, I'll edit that part out. Um, do the principles the philosophies the courses the readings the books do they have you seen them work for everybody and and I'll will ask it in a little bit of a different way obviously and maybe it's not obvious cuz maybe not everybody has has you know studied or or even very familiar with with Dale Carnegie but can a perhaps lower than intelligence person who's perhaps not extraordinary or at least doesn't seem to be extraordinary in their own way sort of below average everywhere does do the principles of Dare, of Dale Carnegie allow even that person who maybe even have has low self-worth who even has is self-critical and maybe got you know was has a lot of trauma and abuse experience from their, from their childhood, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Does do the tenets of, and the principles of Dale Carnegie give that person the same opportunity to grow and be successful as someone who's maybe a little bit more talented, a little bit more, you know, interested, switched on extroverted, you know, like, does it work? Does it work for everybody?
1: So, so the answer is in that particular case, um, it, it it can work for everybody. I don't think that there's anything that that limits people from a, you know, this is too hard to apply from an intelligence standpoint um, or for a sec- insecurity or whatnot. In fact, I mean, I'll just tell you that sometimes people will come to our programs and they will they will lack confidence and they will they will leave with just enormous confidence because they push themselves and they've done things that they never thought that they could do. I'll give you two examples. When I took my class, this is back 1995. There was a, a young woman in that class you know, you, you do a lot of, it's a highly interactive program. You stand up, you give two minute talks, that type of thing. And for many people standing up in front of a group of people, 20, 30 people is uncomfortable. And there was a young woman, you know, we, we all stand up, introduce ourselves, and, and she could barely get up and say her name at the beginning of that program. By the time it was over, after several weeks, after 12 weeks in that particular case of, of these programs, she'd stand up in the front of the room. She could say her name. She, she could look around. She had this newfound confidence because you know she was able to do it all along. She just didn't think she could do it all along. So what, sometimes when you, you force yourself you, to be in an uncomfortable situation, you experience a breakthrough. So she had this this breakthrough that and, and that confidence then extends to, hey, I never thought I could do this. I'm doing this. What else can I do that I didn't think I could do? So all of a sudden that 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 spreads to other things. I um so I became a Dale Carnegie trainer in, in 2019. And recently I, I taught a program, and there was it was a, a woman who came up to me at the end of the, the program and she said, you know. Um, you know, I, I've never felt that I was I was good enough. I've always felt like I couldn't speak up. I'd be the person in a meeting and everyone would be talking and, and I wouldn't say a word. And she's like, now I've realized I am enough and, and I can't speak up. So the biggest factor, if you want to know, Sean, what drives whether this is going to work for someone or not work for someone, it truly is their openness to it and what they put into it. Um, if, they, if, if they're willing to try something, they're going to be amazed at the at the at what happens. Now, we've also had people, we call them hostages. Sometimes they find themselves in a class and they're sitting there with their arms crossed and they don't want to be, their boss has said, Sean, you need to take a Dale Carnegie class. I don't need to, I, whatever, you don't need to change me. So again, if, if, if the mindset is I'm not interested or this is stupid or you got nothing to help me, um, yeah, we're not going to be able to help that person. There's nothing, nothing we're going to be able to do. And I, I, I've seen plenty of those people um, over the years as well. Um, but that, I'd say, it's also true of, of other things. I mean, where is our mindset? You know, how do we see the world? What are the things that we are um, seeking? Do we, do we see life as as opportunity? Do we see life as about growth? Do we, you know, do we? Are we afraid of, of failing? How do we define failure? Is failure, hey, look, I, I tried to do this and it didn't work, therefore it failed and I'm a failure. Or do we say, wait a second, this is just a path along the way. I I have learned some what have I learned here? How do I make sure that that I don't do this again? And what can I how about, you know, so it the mindset that the people have, whether it's about how do they whether they're gonna apply the principles, whether they wanna try to be active in a class program, whatever it is. Um That really is the defining factor.
0: What's one way that people can become more open if they are not open now? What's one way that they can practice becoming more open to something that could really help them?
1: To try to find something that they're not open to um, and to make just even the smallest step in that direction. What is one action that you can take uh, toward your fear or the point of resistance and that that will let you say, you know, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. Maybe that maybe I can do this. So, you know, but it it almost goes to like this executive function. Like if I if I look at something and that end task seems oh my gosh it's overwhelming I can't. But just if you break it down to the step, a very very small step. What's one thing I can do right now? Okay, I can't take a cold plunge. There's no and this is. This is such an important part. The first two chapters in, in Take Command, which are based on how to stop worrying and start living, go to what are the thoughts? Do we pay attention to the thoughts? And, and what are the thoughts telling us? And do we can we do we flip them? You know, how do we see them? So if my mindset is, my first mindset, just using your example, is there's there's no way I could ever do a cold plunge. I I there's just no way. I I'm I'm not gonna do it. It's gonna be painful. I'm not gonna do it. Okay, so my mindset is defining what I'm willing to do or what I'm not willing to do. Now, what if you said, uh, "All right, well, are you willing to put your foot in a in a uh, a bucket of cold water?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do that. That I could do. Sure. Okay. I mean, and I'm 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 being deliberately dramatic just to make a point, you know, which is all right. So you got you got a couple feet in the bucket, you know, and maybe that's what you try. So at some point, maybe you go up to your knees, and some point, you get all the way in, but. Um, the other thing is people really need a compelling why, okay? So um, mm-hmm. what, is your, what is your reason for doing something? We believe that if someone is a strong enough why, they can do almost anything. So the person, you know, who doesn't want to try something might feel, I don't need to. I'm good the way I am. Don't need any help, you know? So that would be an opportunity for someone who cares about them, loves them. Um, someone with whom they work, maybe a, a boss or a supervisor. And we would say, talk in terms of the other person's interest. Someone, I mean, I talk in terms of your interest, Sean, you know, what, what's important to you? You know, Hey, Sean, you you want to, uh, you know, I know you've been in the role that you've been in for, for a while and it, it, what's your feeling about advancement? How important is it to you advance in the organization? Well, I, I'd like to well, tell me more about that. Well, I'm, I think I deserve to make a little bit more money and it'd be important for my family and, 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 um, all right. What What are some of the reasons that maybe you think you haven't advanced so far? Well, I don't know. I'm I have a hard time getting along with people, and uh, you know, I, I I just I I can't get myself to act in these situations. I lack confidence. All right. Well, what if there was a way that you could address start? To, you know, those kinds of things. You have to see it from the person's point of view, and 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 to really help coach them along. I think.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think the why is really really important, and not just situation to situation or role to role, but why are you alive? You know, like, what what are you here for? You know, are you here to work and get paid and, and save and die? Like, is that what you're here for? Um, you know, asking these important questions, challenging people in this way. It's like, what are you on this planet to do? What is your why? And very few people have an answer to that. Very few people have thought about that very deeply at all. And I think partly, partly it's because they're distracted part, you know, TikTok's fun. Netflix is entertaining. So thinking deeply about, you know, why you were born and why you're on this planet takes a little bit of time. It takes uh, a moment of, of quietude to sit and consider that question. Um, but it may be the most important question you ever ask yourself because if you don't have a why then you won't exercise if you don't have a why you'll spend frivolously if you don't have a why you're going to be stuck and so i think that's a really a really really important point i want to i want to ask a, a, a couple a couple of other questions well that's what we're doing here so i'm asking the questions and you're uh you're doing you're, you're doing great you got
1: so you yeah. keep go with the questions it's great
0: nice yeah good i was in my first rodeo um what is the you know you mentioned a uh Ralph Waldo Emerson quote that, uh, that, that Carnegie referenced um, who were some of, I, I it resonates really, really well with me. Cause I just like threw myself into transcendentalism in college, really got fascinated by it. And it really resonated with me. Who were some of Dale Carnegie's influences?
1: So it's interesting. you ask Because um, one of the things he did, he really dug deep and studied humanity, going back to antiquity. And so he, he went back and studied the Greeks and the Romans and philosophers and the Stoics and and, and and historical figures. What he really wanted to know also was what made people successful, what made them um, fulfilled and so forth. So he, he was contemporaries with Henry Ford, with um, presidents, he interviewed Roosevelt, he interviewed all kinds of people, and um, Thomas Edison. And, uh, and he wrote about a lot of, he studied them, he studied Lincoln for years, he wrote a uh, extensive book on Lincoln. So, you know, I mean, part of what he was trying to do was really to understand what are the secrets that people have, have applied in in living these fulfilled lives. And that's ultimately, you know, when you talk about uh, the principles from How to Win Friends, uh, that's where a lot of those came from. That and then also observing in his, in, in the classes. What did he see? And what did he document? Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, But I want to go back to something else you said, if that's okay, which is you were asking about the why. And uh, I, I think that's just, it is such an important point for all of us. And you're also talking about TikTok or Instagram or Twitter feeds. I mean, I, I'm, it, it, one of the biggest concerns I have um, for society and for ourselves as people is that it's so easy to get caught up in these you know we're just constantly going from thing to thing to thing we never stop and think we never stop to have those moments of of reflection and part of what we try to do in that part three of take command and again take command is about being intentional it's like all right don't it's easy for the days or weeks or months or years to go by. And all this, I mean, I, I turned 55 this year. And I'm like, how did I get here? 55 just seemed like, so." but now I mean, 55 is a new 35. So I feel pretty good about it. Um, you know, but the point is, ask those questions. Now, take the time to think about, you know, how do you define your purpose? What are your values? What are the things that really fulfill you? And, you know, when we were doing our research, we looked at what was the biggest regret of people on their deathbeds? What would what would they say? And they would say, it's that I wasn't living uh, in a way that was authentic to myself. I didn't mm-hmm. take the chances. I wasn't bold. I was living a life that maybe based on what other people thought about me. That's a horrible place to be at the end of our lives where it's like, what do I do now? So mm-hmm. why not in our 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or whenever we are, whenever we have the chance to start to dig into that that why so we can start to take action hmm
0: yeah yeah that's really powerful that's really powerful what, what you mentioned the stoics and you know partly because of the influence of ryan holiday in his work you know the daily stoic and 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 his really great writing style that he you know sort of tutelage under um uh, forty-eight laws of power. I'm forgetting the guy's name. Um, Stoicism is really popular, right? And and for good reason. Tim Ferriss also has you know is owed to a lot of that sort of influence. And can you make maybe connect some dots between some of the principles of Dale Carnegie and Stoicism?
1: Well, you know, one of the uh, Stoics who Dave, Dale Carnegie uh, quoted and thought a lot about was uh, Marcus Aurelius, and you know. Marcus Aurelius said, our life is what our thoughts make it. And that idea was something that really influenced uh, Dale Carnegie. Our thoughts, our life is what our thoughts make it. Whatever, And, and if you go back to, to, to the Stoics, the Stoics were clearly very practical, right? I mean, in terms of just their approach to, to life and ethics and so forth. And I, I think his approach was very much the same. And he drew upon not just Marcus Aurelius, but others you know so that when you when you get to the principles and I, I'm thinking in particular about how to stop worrying and start living, um, you know, it really I think draws upon that. He talks about, for example, what's the worst that can happen in your life? You know, we we, we concoct all of these horrible things that can happen. This is what if you if you think about what's the worst that can happen, and then you know, um, take a step back and you, and you ask. Um, You know, if accept that it happens, how do you work back from there and then realize it's probably not going to happen. So, you know, from a very practical standpoint we learn how to manage our emotions so that we can act in a uh, more deliberate way. Um, I don't know that Dale Carnegie understood brain science the way that we understand it today. Um, but we know that when we start to get um, worried and panicked and stressed, that affects our ability to make decisions and to act rationally and so forth. And yet what he was trying to do is to get people to think, you know, very practically, what are the things that are important to you? What are the things that you want? How do you get those things in a uh, constructive ethical way? and and so that's, I mean that's, that might be one way that I would connect some of those dots. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah, the practicality of how you think of adversity, you know how you think of, you know, interaction with nefarious characters, you know that stuff. It just works. It just makes sense. You know, uh, and and it really is distilled by that quote: "Your life is what what is it?
1: Your your life your, your is your life. What yeah, your life is what your thoughts make it. Right, right. Well, ultimately, it was. It's like how do I how do I interact in this world, and and how do I do it in a way?" Um, that will enable me to live the life that I want really. Um, And, you know, and he, but he emphasizes too, there's a, there's, I think, a morality to it. um, You know, because I think even at the time that Dale Carnegie wrote how to win friends, you know, some thought, well, geez, these these could be manipulative principles. And, you know, he he would say two things. I think one is you can use anything for good or bad. You can use water or fire or a knife or a rock or whatever for good or for bad. But his view is, you know, you need a genuine change in your heart. This is about a a change in your life where you really want to, if you really want to live a fulfilling life, and you engage people in these positive and constructive ways, you're going to be able to have that. You're going to have a more meaningful life. You have a more meaningful impact on other people. Um, You're going to look back on your life and see something that you're really proud of. Um, that was constructive. So it goes even back to your original question, your question about, about trolling, right? You know, it's like, okay, is this constructive? Is this, what yeah. what what am I putting out in the world? Right.
0: You know, the, there's this idea that I'm becoming increasingly aware of connecting the dots between, you know, to do this type of work, to understand the principles, to put them into practice takes effort, takes planning, takes presence, Intention, all these things, and this idea keeps coming up, episode after episode after interview after interview, is you have to have gas in the tank to be able to do the mental work to apply these, to understand these principles and apply these principles. You know, so when you said I used to run marathons, I was like, of course, of course, this guy does. Of course, Joe runs marathons. He probably has, you know, you you, you probably got a you know really great four hundred one k set up. You're you know you're probably really great at pool. And, uh, you know, uh, formidable and pinochle, you know, like this level of level of excellence and performance, right? And, and the fact is, is that in order to be able to apply really high level principles and have them improve your life, you have to have the energy to do that. You have to have optimism and enthusiasm. You have to be able to, to be undistracted. And this is just more of a comment for me, less, less a question, is that in order to do that, you got to get good sleep. You've got to eat nourishing food. You know, you have to have love in your life. You have to do the lifestyle practices that will give you enough oomph, enough chutzpah to be able to activate on principles, not just understand them, but to activate on them. And that is this connecting the dots thing. And, and, and what I see and what I believe is that there's this progression of get your biological systems organized, you know, get fit, get strong, well-rested, positive, positive change your mind, you know, change your mindset, apply some principles, make progress there. And then I believe that downstream of that is, is, is a spiritual emergence, is a greater spiritual and an and, and expansion of the consciousness, which leads me to another question, which I, I don't really know. And I didn't, didn't do any duck up going on Dale uh, in pertain to this question, but was, was Carnegie like a member of mystery schools, was he a Freemason? Did he do, was he big on esoterica or mysticism?
1: He was not a Freemason. Uh, he was not, uh, I would say, into mysticism or any of those kinds of things. He was, um, he was very practical. It, it, some of the things that you were talking about that, um, I mean, he, one of the, one of the chapters and the principles in how to stop worrying is, you know, rest before you get tired. You know, he, he has a whole chapter on sleep. Um, you know, he's got a chapter that goes to, I guess today you'd say it's around, you know, meditation or, or prayer or finding that the place of peace for you. He's got, you know, a chapter on, um, you know, putting mind uh, thoughts in your mind, uh, fill your mind with thoughts of, of, of peace and harmony in this, you know, different. So lot, we, we might talk about mindfulness today. He was talking about this, you know, 87 years ago in with how to stop war or uh, actually, how to stop worrying was 1945. So a little bit later for that one. But um, but all those things are so, and it's interesting that he's put those into that book on how to stop worrying and start living, because the emotional health or emotional health often depends upon our physical health, our rest, um, you know, our sleep, uh, our, our taking time and space. Um you know, I mean, he was someone who, who would say, you know, he would when he's in New York, he might just go and sit down uh, in a church, you know, and and he'd sit in St. Patrick's Cathedral and just to, to rest. He wasn't particularly I don't I don't think religious, um, you know, I I don't don't know that he was or wasn't, but he wasn't wasn't Catholic, but he'd go into a church and just sit there and just be calm, you know, so mm-hmm. he would try to create an environment for himself wherever he could around. he was a very a loved nature. Um, he was a person who would love to go out and spend time in nature he's very active he was a traveler he was someone who traveled the world uh, long before people were traveling the world um as easily as we are clearly today so cool
0: yeah i was just curious about that you know because in my in my readings you know and i read i read it's been a long time i got to pick up i got to pick up take command and also go revisit um you know his works because a major phase you know college and and after college i just consumed insane amounts of personal development and some of them do touch into you know mysticism and you know esoteric you know ideas and thoughts but I, i i do love the practicality of it because you can't it's sort of unflappable you know
1: it's like this just makes sense this works you should do it you know um and I think that was part of it. And, you know, he was influenced also by, you know, there was James Allen as a man thinketh, which is a popular uh, book at that time, you know, which is about thought he was influenced by William James, a psychologist. I mean, so there were a lot of, I think, influences that were around the psychological, um, not that he was not, a, 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 I'd say a mystic uh, or, or into any of those other kinds of things, but, um, mm-hmm. but he was someone who, um, he was. He was. He was. He was from Missouri. He'd say, "Look, I'm. I'm a practical person, you know." So, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: What do the haters say? How do how do people how do people try to uh, talk down or poo-poo some of the ideas? Not 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 just of the courses and the classes and the literature, but just this sort of general general theories and concepts that Carnegie yeah. proposed.
1: I'd say two things. I mean, even at the time, I mean, so the book. Was a success, maybe like no other book of its kind had ever been. I mean, they they were they were keeping the publishing house running around the clock, and yet many of the uh, critical reviews of How to Win Friends w- were not great. Um, some people said it was simplistic. Some people said that it was manipulative. Um, he he'd be the first person to say, you know, um, some of this is simplistic, but you know. Uh, it's the application of it. Um, It's not knowing something that matters. What what matters is whether you apply it. In terms of being manipulative, he addressed that directly in the book. He said, look, you know, um, this is about a change in life. This is not about flattery, for example. We want to give honest and sincere appreciation to someone, which means you're really looking at someone, you're being specific about, you know, what do I really appreciate about Sean? You're giving an example about that. Um, But he specifically hits that head on. But I mean,